This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Welcome back for another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm Eric Hanberg. I'm Doug Mackey, and I have uh, almond roke in my mouth. Yeah, I, I should have waited like another 30 seconds nah, for you to good. get it. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, today we're talking to uh, Danny Shepard, and uh, Danny uh, has an interesting background, uh, and I mean that in a variety of ways. Uh, originally from Guatemala, uh, she came here uh, as an orphan and then was adopted by parents in Spokane after... Uh, the Mayan genocide in Guatemala, and then, then eventually learned uh, some interesting art, video games, and really cool 3D printing and 2D printing. Um, it's a really interesting episode. Yeah, she let us peer into the future a bit. Yes. Okay. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Danny Shepard. Thank you. Glad to have you. Uh, you moved to Tacoma from Spokane. Uh, when did that happen? Um, actually, I, from Spokane, I went to Illinois okay. for three years, and after finishing my master's degree there, I moved to Tacoma in, I believe, 2015. And that was an, an MFA, right? Yes. So you've been an artist for, for some time? Yes. I completed my BFA at Eastern Washington in Cheney, Washington, um, I believe in 2008. Wow. What's your your medium when you, when what what do you love to create? Right, so I started predominantly in sculpture, um, but then I got introduced to three D modeling, um, and since then, really going into the digital world has been another place where I work a lot in digital media, and you could say to some degree in social engagement art too, and looking at how to reach the community. Wow. How does the 3D modeling stuff work? How does that work as an art practice? Like, are you primarily, like, with a Wacom tablet or an iPad or, like, CAD? Like, what are you working with in, in that kind of a medium? Right, right. Well, there's a couple of ways I actually work. One is in CAD um, in creating 3D models that have a um, physical output so I can work, again, more with sculpture again. And then the other way is actually um, in video games. I actually created my own video games as part of my master's thesis. And there is where I was working in Maya predominantly, um, doing the modeling. And then I was able to get a grant to work with a game designer or game programmer to um, to program the game. And this game was um, talking about genocide, which I'm sure we'll get more into, but the, specifically the genocide trial of Efrain Rios Montt, um, one of the former presidents of Guatemala. How did the video game work? How did you win? <laughs> How did you win? So, um, again, I, like I tell um, students and people, um, start start with something you know. So I started with the idea of Pong, the game that moves the ball back and forth between two paddles. Right, one of the very first video games, right? Right, right, exactly. And um, with that, I just played off the idea that um, time in some cultures is not linear, but it's more um, as a circle or as a 
sphere. So in the game, as you uh, move through the game, you're actually going around the sphere. And um, it played into the memories that the indigenous community um, brought forward through their testimonies and how the power of memories work. And so there was additional elements in the game besides just the ball moving, but that was kind of the key concept that I started with. Wow. Yes. Is that game like it on the internet that I could go play it or or could I buy the CD-ROM or <laughs> I have it on DVD yeah? or on a, on a DVD. Um it's totally playable and my last um marketing attempt was not successful mm. due to lack of effort. Okay. <laughs> After I finished grad school, a whole other lot of things came into my life I totally so get I never how that got happens. it pitched. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, the game works. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yes. Wow. And then you also said like 3D modeling. And so you build something in CAD or something like that. Yes. And then what do you do? You send it to a, a 3D printer and, and make it happen? Right. So, yeah, you can 3D print it. Um, I actually prefer working with um, 2D output devices like okay. laser cutters or CNC routers and um, taking that three-dimensional object and doing a slicing technique um, that can then be stacked or made into other things. Can let's let's go back a little ways. Like, how did you get into this kind of an area? Because it's 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 didn't exist. You know, I don't know, twenty years ago, maybe. Like, like all of these are very new areas of art form, and I'm just curious, yeah. how you how you d- discovered that. Like, m- walk me through that process. Right, right. So I actually um, wasn't introduced to this type of. Um, output machine until I went to grad school. Okay. Um, the art department's closely linked with the industrial design department, so we use the same machines. And um, I learned the machines, but um, what really got me into making with the machines was after grad school, I worked for a couple months at a fab lab there in Champaign-Urbana and taught classes on how to actually operate the machines and then create projects for students um, on those machines as well. And prior to, um, or I should say, after leaving Illinois, then I kind of explored those machines more on my own and in my own art practice. Wow. I think one of the things that's so cool about that kind of artwork is is like you're dealing with you know, these gigantic pieces of machinery in some way that, like, will take up a whole room uh, or at least, you know, the better portion of a whole room and you have to watch your fingers and, like, it's yes. it's such a cool kind of, of art to practice. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the size. Yeah, it does give you a much bigger scale to work on, but also can give you a really tiny scale. Um, for an example, um, the Fab Lab in Tacoma, they have a resin printer, which I believe prints up 0.002 um, probably centimeters, really, really tiny scale wow. to where you can do more jewelry components or fine, fine, tiny objects. So scale is kind of a neat thing. Wow, that's really amazing. When When did you ever... Do you remember back to your childhood or maybe later than that where you said, I want to be an artist? Um, Yeah, I definitely did not start off thinking I was going to be an artist. Um, I actually had no idea what I was going to be aside from when I was in high school, um, my thought was, Architecture, because I like to draw. I'm not the best draw, best at drawing, but I liked it at least. And so I actually pursued architecture for a couple of years um, in college and um, ended up changing schools and tried out an art class. And it was actually in that first art 
uh, digital art class that one of my teachers asked, oh, are you an artist? Mm. And I actually felt very complimented because I was like, you know what? Someone thinks I'm an artist. I must be really great to some degree. My ego got big. <laughs> but, um, but that was thinking of myself as an artist versus an architect or an engineer or some other paths that I was looking at. That was um, inspiring. And it was also at the same time when I was looking at answering some questions in terms of um, my background and the country, my country of origin, where I'd come from, and what were some of the social conflicts in that country, which is Guatemala, mm-hmm. um, and um, wanting to research it, but not necessarily just through your traditional papers and research techniques, but look at it through more of a perspective of art and generating art to um, talk about the research that I was trying to interpret. Do you want to to walk a listener through your connection to Guatemala and the genocide? Because it's now come up enough, we should probably explain explain what's going on here. Yes. So, um, starting in the... um, Okay, I'll start with me, because that's the easiest place. So, I was born in 1985. Now you know my age. Um, And that was kind of not the peak of the genocide, but right in the middle of the genocide, um, when Ronald Reagan was president here and Efrain Rios Montt was a dictator in Guatemala. And um, there was a lot of tension and they actually had the scorched earth campaign, which you hear of in other countries as well, which is kind of a movement to annihilate different um, populations of people. And in this instance, it was the Mayan community because for multiple reasons. Okay. Um, so... My interest in that actually came upon doing a research paper for an English class, but um, I think um, always wanting to know more about where I'm from, maybe not necessarily knowing birth parents because I was adopted, um, but knowing more about the country and what what the situation was and um, just having an understanding to, you know, give myself meaning as a person. I think that's where my interest stemmed. And I didn't realize at the time it was a genocide. It had always been explained as a civil war, so it was really meaningful. Um, once I saw it as a genocide, um, especially because as a um, young person, I had visited Auschwitz and other places where genocide had occurred. So I had a good understanding of what genocide actually meant. You were, were born in Guatemala. Yes. And then brought to the United States by your parents, by whom? Right. I was born in Guatemala, and I lived in an orphanage in Guatemala. And at a year and a half, I was adopted um, by a family in Spokane, Washington. Do you have any memories of Guatemala? Um, not from the first year and a right. half, really, but when I was about seven, um, we went back and adopted two brothers, not biological brothers, but um, two more children, and I visited the orphanage, and um, a lot of memories came kind of more like feelings stemmed or came to the surface, and um, and then again, I, I have visited Guatemala since then as well. Yeah. And now it's infused in your work, it sounds like, in a variety of different ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. I appreciate it. So um, you are now uh, teaching at uh, the school district, and you work with some of these industrial machines there as well. And one of the things that I – but it's not necessarily art, or it's some art and some some workforce training? Like, how how is that structured right now? Yeah, so um, I'm in a program called CTE, which is Career Technical Education, and um, 
Tacoma School District and other school districts have these teachers who are in CTE who come from industry and are there to um, teach students what they need to do to get a job and how to be equipped to have a job as well as teach them the latest industry standards. And um, I work there as a visual arts teacher as well as a um, more of an engineering and STEM teacher. So there's two paths, which um, somewhat integrate at different points as well. But yeah, um, yeah, that's mainly what I'm doing right now. That's great. I think that they really do integrate in a way that maybe they have never done so much before the like industry and video games and art like it's they're all much closer to each other than they've ever been where people can really you know like like if you're creating a video game like are you an entrepreneur are you an artist like what is it like it's 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 a really interesting time right now where all of these things are kind of blending together in in interesting ways. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, I think um, as we move more towards virtual reality, augmented reality, both of those skills that you're going to need from the engineering side and the art side are going to be intermixed. And um, there's going to be a need for a variety of different type of designers, whether you have the analytical mind or the creative mind, you'll, you'll be needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you more about Fab Lab and some of the cool stuff that uh, people in Tacoma can build there. Okay, perfect. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous, the service is efficient. When I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan, I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. And welcome back. Uh, we are here with uh, Danny Shepard talking about uh, maker spaces and Fab Lab and all sorts of cool equipment. But I just want to take a second uh, not only to thank the sponsor that we just had, but also to thank the Channel 253 members who have made this podcast uh, and all of our different podcasts uh, possible. If you're interested in supporting the show, channel253.com slash membership. Okay, Danny. Yes. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Even though you didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Tell me about uh, Fab Lab because it's the kind of – I understand you're a consultant there and you previously worked in education there. It's such a cool space. For someone who hasn't been there, what's it like to walk in that door? What do they see? Um, realistically, there's a hodgepodge of things you'll see, which kind of goes along with the activities that happen there as well. So um, you're going to see some, you know, really cool knives that are handmade. You're going to see a giant CNC routed dinosaur. You're going to see CNC machines. CNC being? uh, uh, Computer aided, uh, computer numerical. Cutter? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Something like that? Um, control. Computer numerical control. I a a giant saw thing, basically. Yeah, so yeah, there's a large um, four foot by eight foot CNC router in the back shop. And then there's a, I think it's a 24 by 36 inch laser in the front, as well as another laser in the back. Um, 
and a plasma cutter, which is a CNC machine as well. So you can send basically CNC. What it, the emphasis is that you create your uh, design on a computer, mm-hmm. and then you send it to a machine, and it cuts it out for you. And you can do it in a variety of materials, thicknesses. Um, yeah. And that's wood, metal, acrylic, all sorts of stuff. What basically yes. whatever you can can shove a laser through, you can probably cut it out. Uh, is how it seemed to me. Right, right. What did you do there when you were the education? When you worked in education? Um, so I had the opportunity to put together all of the summer programming, um, bringing youth in um, from a variety of places, as well as collaborate with other um, small businesses and kind of the museum circle as well. So we worked with the LeMay Car Museum to do kind of like an engineering and design camp, and we worked with the Tacoma Art Museum. Um, we work with a lot of local nonprofits um, to bring students down, whether doing game board design, um, 3D modeling, and scanning their heads and putting it on top of race cars. Just a huge, (laughs) huge range of things. So um, I enjoyed the job a lot because you really got to think outside of the box of what could could be. And um, that's actually what I now bring to the Tacoma School District. Um, But through those experiences, I have stayed on with Fab Lab as a consultant to help other people get makerspaces started. It's it's a it's just a really cool vibe when when you walk in. I found I went uh, several years ago. Uh, my wife and I have a small design company, and we were working with a client, and we were like, you know what, we could have Fab Lab create this really cool thing for this event, and we sent it over to you, and you cut it out in acrylic uh, on behalf of us. So like, I understand that Fab Lab can be kind of hired out in that way. Yes, and we had these beautiful like acrylic discs that people could hold up as like signage for this event and they were fun and interesting and right it, it's it was just amazing to me i hadn't really understood how far technology had come until i'd walked into fab lab and just seen the kinds of toys that were available to people you know, who just wanted to try try things out. Right, right. And that kind of goes back to that hodgepodge of things that I mentioned in terms of the different resources that um, Fab Lab provides in terms of memberships. If you want to learn how to do it and come in and do it yourself, you can do that. Um, there's classes and then the extended membership you'd get following a class so that you have the time to build your project. And then the hiring service, um, which is kind of getting amped up and um, – they're going for bigger projects right now as well, as well as the smaller ones of cutting signs, but also thinking more what do um, these different aircrafts look like. I haven't been in tune specifically, but they're looking at a lot more um, kind of these design challenges and bringing those into the lab. Um, and then lastly, the education component's been a big leg of Fab Lab as well. Yeah. You mentioned uh, AR and VR, so that's augmented reality and virtual reality for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and Fab Lab has some things that, that can help people with that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have a um, VR 360 headset there, um, which corresponds with this, a lot of the software that you use. Like we mentioned earlier, the CAD software, those um or those softwares can be used to generate models that you can then view in VR, which is pretty neat. Oh, wow. And they're actually um, hoping to at some point get it set up as a full studio so that people who are doing projects either in video um, or game design or just experimental design can go in and use that VR lab. 
I had I had seen VR, um, like you know, I had like three minutes and a, a thing, and I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. But it didn't, I didn't necessarily see the appeal. And then it was uh, in October for the Maker uh, Tacoma Studio Art Tour that right. they had. And I went into Fab Lab, and the VR station was open, and I tried it out, and it was the first time it was I had an interactive VR experience. The first one was just like kind of looking around, and that was about all that that I could do. But this one, like I was painting in a 3D canvas, right? And I could see it, and I could I I made a palm tree, and then I could walk around the palm tree that I had just painted. Yes, and. I have to say, like, it blew my little mind. Like, like I had just not understood really, like, what VR was in a way until I had that interactive experience. Yeah. It was, it was really amazing. Yeah. Tilt Brush is the software Tilt that brush, you were okay. using. And, yeah, no, that is a really phenomenal software. And um, you can actually take those drawings and export them as an OBJ file, which then could be sent to a 3D printer, too, which is kind of crazy. So I could have drawn a palm tree and then had it printed at FabLab. Right. There, There's several stages of modifying uh, I, I, the file, sure. but it can be done, yes. That's really amazing. Yes. I, I, where do you think art is going in this way? Like, like, like this this whole movement towards you know virtual reality and 3D printing, like, like how do you see it all unfolding? Um, you know, a lot of artists, especially uh, um, kind of blue chip artists, are moving into those realms um, and doing large installations that incorporate VR and AR. Um, and I think art is moving into really the physical experience of the um, viewer more so than them just projecting something off of a canvas. So, and But that projection can still happen in the AR sense, which is unique. Um, and I think um, you're going to see some of those experience at different museums. The Mopop had a really cool, had their marble expo- exhibition, excuse me, had a cool little AR exhibit there. Um, and I think more and more you're going to see yourself more interacting with the actual art pieces. Yeah, that seems seems right, and uh, it seems like it seems like that's that's where a lot of things are going with video games and art and movies, and it's it's all getting interactive and headset and right, good. right, and and it actually um, there's research that it actually stimulates a different part of your brain, which is interesting, and that brain can lead to different memories, and um, and I think it's something artists are starting to think of being cautious when doing that because you don't want to mess somebody up. Um, no, other people have had their first VR experience on a roller coaster and won't go back to VR because it made them so sick. Oh my goodness. It was interesting. Uh, I had my six-year-old daughter there, and it was fascinating. I gave her the paintbrush after I'd done it for a while, and she just took to that like a fish to water. And on the one hand, it was like really exciting, but then on the other hand, I was like, this is going to – you know, it's special and new to me, but it's going to be very normal to her, I have a feeling, uh, when she grows up. Yes, yes. And actually, FabLab has a VR camp, and a lot of the kids who come to the camp have already explored Tilt Brush, so they want to know what's the next thing. So FabLab has to be intentional and being on top of, okay, how can we keep kids engaged? And they have to uh, continuously be learning as well as as the industry grows, be right on top of that. Right. Yeah. Well, you have uh, uh, something coming up. Uh, you, you said you might be doing something uh, with fashion. Is that right? 
Yeah, so I kind of, um, at the end of grad school, got a little bit into the fashion side of art. And um, I have a good friend, actually former colleague at Fab Lab, Snow Winters. And we're looking at doing a potential collaboration piece. She's really launched herself quite into the fashion industry, um, specifically jewelry fashion, um, laser cut, CNC, going back to those machines. Um, But we want to explore what we could put together for the sustainable um art or excuse me fashion show that's going to be taking <laughs> I'm tripping over my words for this fashion show that's going to be taking place in the spring that's very cool awesome well one of the things we like to do at the end of this show is to just ask the guest is there anyone in Tacoma doing like really amazing art or just being active in the art scene that you want to give a shout out to. It could be an organization, uh, it could be a person, but just just to give a shout out, give a, a gold star to someone who is doing work that you really admire. Yeah, um, I'm not thinking of a, actually I'm thinking of a specific person, but also an entity. Um, Fort Nisqually, We've had the opportunity to work with um, Allison. I don't recall her last name right now, but Allison's a new uh, coordinator there. And she's put together these escape rooms, which is another form of art. And um, they're really quite cool. I haven't had the opportunity to do one yet, but from what I've heard, they're really unique. And um, we're also working at potentially putting together augmented reality experience in the Bastion, which is one of those large towers oh, that's over cool. at the fort, and maybe open it up to artists to do different um, kind of VR installations. So that's projecting in the future, but I want to give it to her for, you know, trying to get this started and get it going there. Yeah. So I, I believe that the that there are two escape rooms at the fort. One is called Trapped, which is the new one, and then the other yes. one is called a um, Escape, or I can't remember what the other one's called, but right. they, they do have two there. Um, and escape rooms can be art, definitely. And I, in fact, wrote wrote an escape room for Adventures by Appointment downtown in the old uh, post office. So oh, neat. I, yeah. I, love, I love the escape room experience. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just, it's Allison Campbell. That's Campbell, her last okay. name. And um, kind of just that creative, innovative thinking and being in tune with what's happening with technology and how to bring history into that. Because that's one of my passions as well. That's why right. I'm kind of recognizing her right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a very that's a very cool thing, and I would love to see what the VR or the AR could look like there to help you step back in time to the 1850s even more. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have a, a place where if people want to learn more about you, they could find you on the web or Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, or are you uh, hidden from all of that? Yeah, believe it or not, I'm incognito right okay. now. Um, I didn't pay for GoDaddy for the next year <laughs> because I felt like I needed to update some things. Um, but hopefully following this uh, fashion show in the spring, I'm going to reamp things and yeah. get things running this summer. Yeah. Um, but if you do a Google search for uh, Danny Pavlich, which is my former name, P-A-V-L-I-C, um, you can find some articles and different works that I've done around the country as well as locally. Right. And you can, if anyone else asks you in the future, you can point them to this episode. Exactly. There (laughs) you go. Well, thank you for being on the show. All right. Thank you for taking the time and hearing me out. (laughs) All right. Once again, Danny, thank you for uh, coming on to the show. Doug, uh, we're looking forward to uh, Valentine's Day tonight, and then we have a whole weekend ahead of us. Are you looking forward to anything um, arts-wise? 
Well, you know, I tend to think about music, and I'd like to alert people to the fact that the Jerry Miller trio will be playing down at the Spar. He is a um, former member of Moby Grape, Rolling Stone's 68th greatest guitar player of all time. He's 75 years old. Get it while it's Get it while it's good. Only the sixty eighth greatest guitar player of all time. I don't. I don't know that he's moved up or down <laughs> since. Hey, how did you, how did your residency in Union go? By the way, a couple it was weeks great. Ago? Robin Hood Resort. We had a blast. That is very cool. Well, mm. I I don't have any specific plans for this weekend. I am just looking forward to a weekend crossing my fingers with no snow. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.